This is Rheumatology Republic reporting from Madrid. My name is Felicity Nelson and I'm chatting with Dr. James Galloway, a researcher at King's College London in the UK. Hi, Dr. Galloway. Hi, pleased to meet you. So a lot of rheumatologists have been talking about fatigue at this conference and there's been quite a few sessions on it. So why do you think it's such a hot topic here at EULA? I think it's, it's been uh, it's been growing on everyone's mind for, for a long time. The, the, there's a real challenge around um, treating a rheumatic disease with uh, patient-reported outcome measures. And we, we've started reporting on pain and, and more recently fatigue in detail. And we see that although our drugs are fantastically effective at controlling the inflammatory burden of disease and suppressing swollen joint counts, um, the response in terms of controlling fatigue is lagging. So we, we see that there remains an enormous burden of um, of fatigue and low energy amongst people. And, and in fact, there's, I, I presented some of the data from the Leiden cohort who, who've described this very nicely, that over the last sort of three decades, that they've seen that the levels of fatigue in the, the rheumatoid arthritis cohort have remained almost static. And which particular diseases is it worst in? Well, so I, I mean, I, I, I'd be careful about saying rheumatoid, although rheumatoid and psoriatic arthritis are the areas I work in. We actually, in, in the session that I was presenting at... Um, we had uh, five from uh, who came down from Newcastle presenting on Sjogren's, and they clearly have an enormous burden of fatigue in Sjogren's syndrome. We, we know similarly in lupus cohorts and, and vasculitis cohorts. So I think it's a disease, it's not a disease-specific problem. It's across the inflammatory autoimmune disease. But actually, in terms of whether it's different between diseases, I'm not sure I'd comment on whether it's different in terms of severity, but we definitely see different patterns of, of fatigue across some of the diseases. And one of the challenges is there are probably different constructs within fatigue. Some people have this background persistent fatigue that is a, a static, immovable problem, perhaps related to poor sleep and, and low energy and, and very intertwined with um, with mood, so with, with low mood and, and, and anxiety and so concomitant mental health disease. And then there's a separate type of fatigue, which is the fatigue we associate with the immune system, with disease flare. That, that's when people describe this sort of often quite abrupt onset of severe disabling fatigue where they really can't get out of bed. And, and it may resolve within a matter of days as the flare recovers. And it's, as to give a sort of a paradigm that, that's often used is the... In model of interferon therapy which we used to use for hepatitis C treatment where you would administer interferon and, and you get this very profound flu-like illness accompanied by fatigue and, and I think we, we know that in several of our diseases there are interferon pathway drivers to the disease and we see a, a similar cytokine driven fatigue and I think there's probably, so there's probably two different types of fatigue the, the acute severe inflammatory driven, driven fatigue which probably does respond to immune suppression and then the background chronic fatigue which is probably a different different disease entity and doesn't respond to the treatments. Is fatigue associated with flares? No absolutely and I, I think during a flare and, and we see this in and, and rheumatoid it, it's a very debilitating part of a flare is the, the level of fatigue we get and, and actually it's not just flares but also early disease before treatment started. People one of the, the sort of very common early symptoms in rheumatoid is, is a severe disabling fatigue. Why do we have this problem with fatigue? That's a million-dollar question. So I, I think um, that there's several reasons, and, and it's probably not one single item. It's very much multifactorial. So, for example, if you, if you imagine in the context of someone with inflammatory arthritis, if you roll over in, night, in, in the night and your joints are painful and you get disturbed sleep, then, then inevitably that will drive fatigue. 
Similarly, if I was to tell you that you're diagnosed with an incurable disease that's going to lead to substantial pain in your life and, and potentially change your career and, and your ability to earn money, that the distress associated with that, the, the mental health impact of that, that, that's also inevitably going to impact upon a whole host of, of your experience of symptoms. And, and we know that that, that that links very closely. And, and there's sometimes this concept called disease-specific distress, which is probably a, a cousin of depression, if you like, where people experience um, somatic symptoms as, as part of their, their illness that are linked to mood and cognition. And, and then the third thing, of course, is, is there's probably a, a distinct linked to fatigue through the inflammatory pathways. We, we know that many of our cytokines influence the, the sleep-wake cycle and, and alter diurnal variation. And, and so there's probably a, a primary autoimmune driver to fatigue as well. So when I say fatigue in, in someone with autoimmune disease is multifactorial, it's probably a composite of many of these things. And at any one time, it may be one or other of those that drives the, the symptoms on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I understand your talk was about how to treat and manage. Um, what were some of the tips that you were giving rheumatologists? I think in, in, a, in a nutshell, I, I think headlines would be, the first thing is if someone's got active inflammatory disease, then that needs treating because that, that is, and, and we've seen from trials of all our targeted therapies over the years that um, if you look at things like the facet fatigue score, that you get dramatic and significant improvements in that in people who've got active disease. I think for people with stable disease, though, and people in whom the, the inflammation and the, the autoimmune burden of disease has been controlled, then actually then you need to move away from drug therapies. And, and in terms of other trials of giving antidepressants or painkillers to improve fatigue, there aren't. And if anything, they, they may paradoxically worsen things. But in, in contrast to that, there is good evidence for cognitive interventions, talking therapies such as cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, um, and there's also very good evidence, very robust evidence for exercise as an intervention. Although the, the latter is always a challenge in rheumatoid, I know that if you've got painful joints, then engaging in exercise can be very difficult. And, and it's interesting, and, and I touched on, on this in the, in the talk, is that if you look at, and there's some lovely evidence from oncology, from cancer-associated fatigue, which reassuringly shows that the effect size of um, the effect size of treatments for cognitive interventions and um, and exercise therapy are almost identical. So a, a reassuring message: if you can't exercise, actually the CBT approaches are as effective. It seems like from some of the abstracts I've been reading, fatigue burden hasn't decreased in um, patients with uh, rheumatic conditions. Is this partly because it hasn't been identified as, as a major problem that needs to be addressed? I think partly that. I, I mean, one one thing that's that's challenging and, and I, I think perhaps an elephant in the room if you look at fatigue and, and actually this is true across patient reported outcome measures um, if you look at it in developing developed countries so I should say so, so high income countries as opposed to low or middle income countries um, there's a discrepancy that the if you look in in the the high income countries patient reported outcomes across across the board are reported higher and more severe than people in less economically developed parts of the world and know, there may be a number of factors driving this. It, it, there may be a component that the expect, health expectation is rising in, 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 in Western society. In, in we, we expect to be in, in full health. And, and so people's expectation of achieving remission is to really have no symptoms at all. And we maybe haven't got there yet with our treatments. 
I, I also think you know society is changing and, and is potentially more stressful and, and more psychologically sort of strained for many people with the the rush of day to day life. And so I, I think I think the the challenges for the management of fatigue out with of rheumatic disease that that are an issue in the wider population, and, and that complicates matters. But um, I, I, what you said at the beginning, I, I would stand by that for many years I, I think we have not addressed fatigue adequately as part of our disease. I think if you look at routine practice, many services and many clinicians don't routinely measure or act upon fatigue. Um, perhaps that's a nihilism, but I, I think that is a valid issue as to as something that going forward we, we need to think about. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us at Rheumatology Republic. Thank you very much for, uh, for interviewing me.